and welcome everyone to the very first episode of a brand new podcast called Teach Me Tech. I am your host, Tarek Falah, and I am actually the Vice President of Information Technology and Information Systems for a manufacturing company called Creative Foam, who is the sponsor of this podcast, uh, based out of Fenton, Michigan, uh, which is about an hour or so outside of Metro Detroit, for those of you that are not local enough to know kind of where that's based. And uh, Creative Foam is a manufacturing company, as I said, obviously, that deals with foam, but also other types of products, um, adhesives, non-woven. Um, and we specialize across three different divisions. Obviously, you know, being in, in uh, near Metro Detroit area, we specialize in transportation, dealing heavily with automotive, but we also work in healthcare. And you might have seen our name pop up recently, um, dealing with face shields. Creative Foam was integral in producing over a million face shields during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we're all facing. And something that we're really proud to uh, be a part of is is helping those very, very important frontline healthcare workers to keep us all safe uh, by by giving them the resources that they need. And then uh, lastly, Creative Foam works in uh, composites. So basically what we do there is those big wind turbines that you might see on the side of the road we actually manufacture the foam that goes into those blades because inside of those blades, it's, it is made of foam. And so we produce that foam locally at our facilities. And then that foam is transported to wherever that turbine is going to be put together. And the blades are assembled on site there. And if you haven't ever seen that before, highly suggest, you know, you go check out our YouTube or Facebook and I'll leave that in the show notes, but check out those social media pages so that you can get a link for some of the videos that show how these uh, blades are put together. It is just insanely awesome to see the individual pieces and then to see these monstrous things put together and then see them do the magic that they do in the air. And so the goal of this podcast really is, you know, as the name suggests, Teach Me Tech, The goal here really is to teach people about technology. And so this is not just for hardcore technologists, you know, not for software programmers or for an engineer or for somebody that just knows cybersecurity. Though we may talk about those topics, this really is for anyone that wants to learn more about technology. And in general, we probably won't go, you know, to the complex level of of crazy understanding that somebody in a very specific niche will know We'll probably talk about things a little bit more generally. We'll talk about how you can utilize these technology items in your life, how we can improve things, or just give you a perspective of what's to come in this world. Technology is changing just every single day, more than sometimes I I really enjoy at times, but um, it's changing and it's exciting to be a part of that and to learn about what's to come. So really the goal of this podcast is is to talk about these things. And we'll have um, a couple key points every episode to talk about. Uh, this episode, we really want to focus on sort of be an introductory, um, give you a little bit of perspective, obviously, about who Creative Foam is, who I am. Um, and then we'll talk just about the evolution of technology a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about some interesting things that I think um, sort of become buzzworthy in today's world. And, and we sort of overlook it. And people sometimes ask, like, what is this and what is that? And we'll talk about those items a little bit. Um, and then the subsequent episodes, we hope to bring on more guests onto the show people that deal with very specific things like cybersecurity or cloud technologies or things like that, artificial intelligence, so that we can learn a little bit more. Um, and so that's the goal of the podcast. Really hope that you'll stick around and you know get get through this episode, hopefully, and then uh, 
get through remaining episodes and be a part of it and leave us some feedback. Let you know, let us know what you liked, the things you didn't like. If you have suggestions for things you want to hear, certainly feel free to pass those along to us. We'd love to hear it so that we can um, curate this content for what our listeners will enjoy. Um, so a little bit about me. I think it's important to hopefully get to know me a little bit before uh, we go too deep and, and hopefully you'll stick around to have me as your host a little bit longer. But my history, as far as it relates to technology, uh, I was introduced to technology at a very, very young age. Um, I remember being given spare computer parts, just, you know, by by anyone's standards, complete junk items of technology like spare computer cases, uh, random computer processors, sticks of memory, cables, things like that. And, you know, at the time, the internet was certainly not what it is today. Um, It had not been revolutionized by the people that we know and love and by the companies we know and love. And so it was just, you know, no one really used it. It it was, it was except for military purposes, I suppose. so in order to learn about things, it wasn't like you can go just watch a YouTube video about how to put a computer together or, hey, how do I, um, you know, daisy chain a printer? And, and for some of you listening who know what that means, you'll understand the reference. But I, it, we didn't have access to that. And so from, for me, my love of technology really came from just learning about things, exploring, trying to put a computer together. I mean, to me, it was basically like my version of Legos. You know, some kids had Legos and Lincoln Logs, and I had those too. <laughs> but I also had um, these parts of computers that were giving to me and other other uh, pieces of technology. And I was given the ability to just explore and learn. And I think that's even something today we sort of, we've lost sight of a little bit. And, and not to go too far off track, but, it, you know, I, I miss the time sometimes where I had to spend time learning about a topic where I didn't have the instant gratification of just Googling and YouTubing something and boom, there it was. Uh, I felt like I certainly learned a lot more and I could spend time enjoying the thing that I was learning about when I was forced to actually go and explore and um, experience some failures, right? That, that's just the best way to learn is just by doing it, failing three, four, five, five hundred times, who knows, and then finally finding a way to get yourself through And to me, that is like the epitome of understanding technology. And and that's why I love it, because technology to me is about solving problems. And that's why I guess why I love math as well. Math is one big problem. Um, It's not about numbers. It's not about memorization. It's not about, um, you know, these techniques that we utilize. It's not about like the specific calculations. To me, math is all about solving a problem fixing something that's wrong or making something better. And that's just what I love about technology. Um, So I had that at a very early age, was introduced to that, obviously um, studied that in school, came out, started working at the lowest levels of the help desk. Uh, You know, maybe one day we'll do a podcast where I get to go through, you know, the, the horror story help desk tickets or calls that I experienced. I've got some, some excellent ones to share. Uh, I even have the, the one that's probably been memed to death about somebody saying, you know, I set this, <laughs> I, I put my coffee cup in the, in the coffee holder and push the button and now my computer won't work, realizing that that, co- that, uh, that coaster is not a coaster, that's your CD-ROM that takes disks and not coffee bugs and you just destroyed your computer. Uh, I do have that. So hopefully one day we can go through horror stories of help desk tickets. Um, but my career progressed on. I did software development, right? I wrote code 
created websites, did things with, um, you know, working on search algorithms or, or how to utilize search algorithms to get pages boosted or to get things promoted. Uh, and then I became focused on security and network administration, things like that, sort of dealing more with the infrastructure and how to connect things back up and progressed on and got into management a little bit. I found that I was able to marry my love of problem solving and working directly with technology along with helping people and mentoring people and managing people really well. And, and that's something I, I really enjoy. So um, that, that's kind of my history in a nutshell. And hopefully, you know, that history will will give you some insight into things you may want to learn more about. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about cloud. Um, it's, a, it's a funny word that someone might say and use it in a way that they think they know what they mean, but they have no idea what they're saying. But in reality, the cloud is something that we use every day and we probably just don't even realize it. So what is the cloud? And if we talk about it, it is not some like magical mystery box. It is not um, some sophisticated computer um, software program. It's not something secret. It is essentially just a metaphor uh, for a global network of servers that all do a specific task. So you might have some servers that do storage, some servers that take care of security, some servers which give you access to an application, some servers which process video files, servers that do all kinds of tasks, but they all live out on the internet somewhere or you access them via the internet. And the key here with the cloud is that these are all managed outside of your home or your business. And the main way you access them is, as I said, through the internet. That's the cloud in a nutshell. So the cloud is this you know, range of of uh, applications and services that you make use of through the internet. And that's it. When we talk about the cloud, that is essentially it. So when you use things like Gmail, you use things like Box.com or Dropbox or YouTube or Zoom or Microsoft Teams or things like that, that's the cloud. That is essentially the cloud. And, and so really when we talk about the cloud, it's not you know, some overly complex technical thing. It's really a metaphor that we use to describe the offering of something to a business or to a consumer. That's it. You know, no other special magic behind it. And I think sometimes when people get it explained to them that way, it just clicks and they go, oh, okay, it's that simple. Yes, it is. Um, and, and talking a little bit more about cloud, you may have heard about private cloud, hybrid cloud, those kinds of things. And to explain that, there are three different offerings offerings of the cloud. There is the public cloud. And basically what that means is that you are accessing those servers the same way that others will access them and utilize them, right? Your data is managed on the same servers that somebody down the street has their data managed. You access your, your data or your services with your unique username and password, but how you get to those resources is across the public internet you do not have your own dedicated server. It's essentially a public cloud. A private cloud means exactly what you're thinking. It's like the public cloud, but your method of access is private. You either have some sort of dedicated line to get to those servers. You have your own server. You have your own slice of a server, whatever it may be. You, it is private in some way. And then a hybrid, obviously, is some sort of a combination of those two. Um, you know, maybe you have... 
uh, public method to get to the servers and then they are privatized in some way there. And so you've got this hybrid model. And in a nutshell, that's, that's the offerings. Most people traditionally use public cloud as far as consumers go, but businesses definitely make use of all three options, private, public, and hybrid, depending on what they're trying to do and how they want to accomplish that. Um, so that's really the cloud in a nutshell. Uh, and, and when you hear it, you know, don't get confused by what is this crazy thing. Just realize it's a way to get access to servers, essentially. And, and when we say servers, what we're really talking about are data and applications and services. That's how you're, that's what it is. The next thing I wanted to talk about with cloud, and this is my favorite thing because um, it is extremely easy to understand once you frame it using the analogy that I have. And I'll drop a, a picture of this chart in the show notes because I think it's it just is so cool to look at and explain something so complex to someone. So, um, and then they can sound they can sound like a total genius afterwards. But when we talk about cloud and how services are deployed, right? Forget about the public-private hybrid. We're now talking about what type of cloud services do you want? We're gonna use a, an analogy of pizza, okay? And, and I'll explain this. It'll all become very clear in a moment, but when we talk about cloud, we have three offerings. We have infrastructure as a service, IaaS. You may have seen that before. There's platform as, as a service, PaaS. And then there's software as a service, SaaS. And there's also a fourth option, which is basically not the cloud, which means that you have everything within your business or within your home, and that's called your traditional on-premises deployment. You know, so you have your servers, you have your everything, your network connection, all your hardware is located at your um, premise. So whatever, if it's a business, it's your business, your home, it's your home. Um, so those are the four things when we talk about kind of comparing the cloud options and then the non-cloud option, what do we have? And I'm going to relate this to making pizza. So we've got our four options. We've got the one that I spoke of last, which was the on-premise. So when we talk about um, technology, that means you've got everything on site, right? You've got your servers, computers, your networking connections, uh, your data, everything you have on site. If we translate this into making pizza, we would call it making pizza in-house, right? I have my kitchen, my gas, my oven, my pizza dough, the toppings, cooking the pizza. Those are all things that I manage. No one else manages that. I don't have you know, a private chef that is putting the toppings on and, and rolling the dough, and I provided him the kitchen, gas, and oven. Um, it's all managed in-house, okay? So that's the comparison between a traditional on-premise sort of offering and... Um, you know, with technology and then pizza. If we go one level up, we'll talk about IaaS, which is infrastructure as a service, and we're going to compare this to kitchen as a service. So in that model, if we talk about it in a kitchen, the vendor, whoever we partner up with, would manage the kitchen, the gas, the oven. They would have responsibility for providing those things as a service to me, but I would be responsible for the pizza dough, the toppings, and actually cooking the pizza, you know, putting in the oven, cooking it, making sure it comes out properly, that would be my responsibility. Um, and so to relate that in terms of kind of what we're talking about with technology, infrastructure as a service would mean that the vendor would manage things like 
virtualization, servers, storage, networking, all of those kind of hardware layer of things, they would manage that. And I would be responsible for the applications, the data, the operating system. That would be my responsibility. So in this model, it's, it's similar to having, you know, the, the infrastructure given to you. So you don't have to manage the computers, the servers, all that kind of stuff. You're responsible for everything on those servers. You're not responsible for the backbone of the connectivity to the infrastructure. You manage everything on the servers, essentially. The next level is platform as a service. So if we compare that to a kitchen, in our pizza analogy, you would have a vendor who's responsible for the kitchen, the gas, the oven, pizza dough, and then you manage the toppings and cooking the pizza. So in that sense, it is basically like, walk in and bake you know you have your your toppings and you put it on and you bake the pizza and then you take it and you're done and if we compare this to platform as a service that means that the vendor is responsible for um, the networking the storage the servers the virtualization those things that we talked about before but they are also responsible for the operating system and the middle middleware kind of middle layer stuff there so um, you know the databases, things like that, there may be some responsibility there um, where they have that kind of uh, responsibility that the infrastructure doesn't have. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sort of that, that middle between what we'll talk about in a second and kind of having almost hands-off. This one, um, you, you're less hands-on, certainly, um, and, and if we compare it to the last one, we'll see the big difference here. And, and if we go to the last one, which is called pizza as a service, but if we're talking about technology as software as a service, in this mode, the, the, the vendor manages everything. Kitchen, gas, oven, pizza dough, toppings, cook the pizza. It's like walking into, you know, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, Jets, whatever your favorite pizza place is, and it's pizza as a service. That's what we're used to. And for technology... It's the same thing. The vendor is responsible for everything, for the applications, the data, that stuff that you know you normally would have to manage. You are simply a consumer of that service. And we're probably most familiar with this kind of a setup. This is like Gmail, Facebook, YouTube, all these things that we use, box.com. We are a consumer of a SaaS application, right? So um, this is probably the one that you're most familiar with. And, and you'll see most traditionally, a lot of what we do today is morphing into a SaaS um, type of model. And there are a lot of reasons we could talk about for why, but it's important just to understand that this is something you encounter every single day. And it's very normal. And it's, it is probably the most basic fundamental thing when we talk about options uh, in, in service models. Most people just don't even realize that this is what they're using. It's SaaS. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown. Like I said, I'm going to put the graph in the in the show notes. I think it's really cool. It's really easy to understand. And, you know, if you like pizza, even better, right? Um, so I'll put that there and you can take a look at it whenever you have a chance. So everyone, uh, welcome to our next segment of the podcast. We are here with the president of Creative Foam, David Swallow. So thank you, David, for taking a few moments with us. Oh, thank you. And and what we wanted to do was spend a few minutes talking about your history with technology, your thoughts about um, the future, maybe a little bit, some 
perhaps interesting story or two about um, your experiences with that and just kind of get your take because I know from my experience that you are a, a very strong proponent for technology. Um, you're always on the the leading, maybe sometimes the bleeding edge of of <laughs> using things. Um, but I always uh, admire your desire to go out and learn and to try to stay interested and relevant in what's changing around us. And and like I I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, we're utilizing Microsoft Teams. And you were one of the first people, I think, that jumped on and did a video call right when we had it going. I think you actually were the first person to do a video call. So um, certainly, I think your perspective on things is really great. So maybe if we start, just you know, talk to me about how have you seen technology change throughout the years for Creative Foam and, and the things that maybe what you started and where we're at now and, and how that's evolved. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, this is this is really great. And it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, and and uh, I believe that uh, Creative Foam um, and my father were gave, gave me a good track for uh, technology. And as early as about 1972, uh, Creative Foam uh, integrated its first computer system which like took up a whole huge room and back then it was the brand name was a wang uh, and uh it it was used basically for the financial part of the business um but but there so there's two parts here i mean the number one thing of a business is it needs to be controlled tightly from a financial point of view and it sure. needs to be kept completely a business needs to be con completely separated with no co-mingling and all that kind of stuff. That's a different story, but the story sure. of, of keeping track of the financial part of the business is, uh, you know, the old big form and peas, you know, uh, multi-columnar green paper. Right, right. That's how a lot of businesses were still doing things uh, in the 1970s. And for a fledgling small little company to actually take it's, you know, capital dollars that it needed to do other things and invest it in a, you know, back then computer system was was pretty, pretty advanced. And uh, from there, um, things changed, uh, both in the computer industry and our needs as a growing company. We ended up, you know, with an IBM, I believe the next system we went was an IBM 34 Maybe okay. maybe something other than that, but then we went through all the transitions of the uh, the IBM world, the IBM 34, 36, 38, and uh, and then we used a software program uh, on the inventory side of the business and the and the business the other business called Mapix, which was mm -hmm. a which was a big deal at the time, and uh, and you know so we went through all the variations, and I would like to say that we weren't necessarily in early adopter of the latest and greatest technology, but we were certainly a uh, 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 an adopter of the technology and to at least stay with the technology. Um, always had people, thank goodness that we always had people that uh, were on the leading edge knowing what the next things were coming. And then as, as, it, as it was a proven technology, then we would be an early adopter of proven technology and we move, would move into that. Um, even myself at a younger age, when, when I was with uh, Creative Foam in the uh, 80s, 
Uh, just a real quick, this is kind of a funny story yeah. here. So everybody was using the financial part of the uh, the uh, IBM system 38 and so forth. And there was another whole section of it. There was actually software that was part of the program that nobody used. And it was actually a word processing program and a uh, spreadsheet program. So I was getting in there and I was starting to use it. I mean, I was just learning how to use computers and, and right. so forth. So people were asking me when they'd start getting reports from me, stuff is not handwritten on, you know, yellow legal pads. It's, you know, coming off a dot matrix printer. And I couldn't print back then. I had to use the green bar paper. So my reports would come on a green bar. And so everyone's asking, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm using this system. And uh, so people were intrigued by that. And I had enough people that were intrigued. They wanted to be part of that and learn. Uh, and I was really pleased that we had people that were in their 40s and 50s. This was newfangled technology to them. And sure. so I put a, I, with, uh, I put a class on on a Saturday. And, and I, unbelievably, I had like 20 people that volunteered that want to come in for the class. So I created a, a format that they needed to follow for both a, making a spreadsheet and making a uh, some sort of a word or that wasn't word, but. Uh, word processing word processing right and as everyone logged on to the system uh the system didn't have very much power back then and after <laughs> about the 10th or 12th person logged on to it completely crashed the entire system oh my gosh kind of uh, wrecked our whole day so i had to uh do the training after work uh one or two people at a time but the system just didn't have the capabilities and people would get frustrated because if you had more than three or four people trying to use a spreadsheet program, it would slow the entire system down than people that needed it for other stuff. Anyways, just kind of a cute story from the past. Uh, but technology is absolutely important. Um, and uh, and Creative Foam has always done a pretty good job of staying with it, even up until the current day. Where uh, in 2009, we finally migrated uh, all of our systems over to Plex. And right. I think you probably have some things we can talk about with that and some of the other things we're doing. Yeah, I think that was that's a really interesting thing because back in 2009, the cloud, and we talked about the cloud earlier in the podcast, the cloud wasn't what it is today. Back in 2009, most businesses, if you said, where is your ERP, which is, you know, your human resources, your accounting, um, purchasing, all of those important critical areas of the business, where are they? People would traditionally say, well, there's a server that we have on site or it's at our corporate office and we're all linked into it or whatever. If you were to tell people, well, our, you know, <laughs> everything we need to run the business is located somewhere. We don't really know exactly where it's at or you know, I, I don't have access to it directly, but it all works. I mean, they would look at you like you're crazy back in 2009. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that was, you know, now today it's much more common to start looking at the cloud and, and putting things in the cloud. But back then, I think that was a pretty remarkable decision. So what what made you think towards saying this is going to be the best way to run the business and this is not only the best, but this is the um, – at the time, I think there was a lot of hesitation because – if you can't see it and touch it, how do you know it's okay? So what made you go down that path? Uh, pretty much the advice of the, the smart people in the room, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, out of, out of the growth of the company, 
um, we were really uh, taxing our our systems. And uh, so we were using um, uh, a lot of database uh, based programs and and we were we were knocking up against the uh, the limits of what those programs uh, offered. And so we did a complete, um, I would say it was probably an 18 month, uh, we put a team together to evaluate many different ERP systems. Uh, we had looked at SAP uh, and some of the others uh, that are very well known. And we just determined for our needs what would be the best. And believe it or not, I don't, I don't think we really, we thought about so much the having the server room or having it be a cloud, we were more concerned about what was offered in usability of the software and flexibility of the software moving forward. And whatever, whatever that system required, we were willing to go with that. Right. Um, there, there were, there were some of the people, you know, that, oh, we're putting it out there in a cloud and, you know, to use a common thing nowadays, our Russians could steal it, so to speak. Sure. But, uh, you know, calmer minds prevailed and, uh, you know, we, we, we uh, enacted it. Now, the, the blessing that we had was that um, right at the down, the, the, the worst part of the downturn is when we went for the dual system for a year. And, you know, for the changeover that we did, it could have never had gone as smooth as if we had waited till 2014 or 15 when, you know, things were ramping up. Uh, so we really picked the right. Our timing was beautiful. Yeah, I, I, th I think about that a lot as we went through and, and I wasn't there during that time with the company, obviously, when that transition was made. But I reaped the benefits of it because just, you know, earlier this year as it went through the start of the pandemic, we didn't have to rely on having people in the building to go take care of the ERP, to go and make sure the servers are up and running. That just worked. And I think that was right. one of the biggest positive benefits that we had in having uh, the cloud be such a big part of our company. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So outside of that, what, um, you know, we, we look at all these things and I think it's it's easy for you maybe not easy, but you're more willing to go in and take a, take the plunge of let's try something out. Let's go down the road because you're, you're of the opinion of whatever's right for the business, whatever's going to be the best long-term solution. This is the the route to go. And I think that's really refreshing to hear, but what in your mind is the biggest obstacle for getting technology implemented or doing something new or innovative? What is the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome? Uh, people. Um, so, uh, I'm writing a book, uh, and it's, it's a book of, uh, phrases. And one of my phrases is don't become irrelevant. And right. I've been struck over the years by, by having friends, by having coworkers, uh, looking at people that, uh, have not embraced the new technology, um, and, and somewhat, even in their 50s, become somewhat curmudgeon about, well, why are we going to do this new system? And they don't want to, they don't want to hang on and stay. I, I'm hanging on for dear life every day 
so that, uh, you know, I, I always try to get, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, stupid, yeah. uh, thing that you got to carry with you all the time. <laughs> and, uh, um, it just, it's just so critically important. Uh, so we have, I think we overall have a great culture that, uh, the people want to embrace the latest and the greatest. And I see creative foam, never should we be on the cutting edge again, but we should be the adopters of, you know, the important and, you know, uh, calculated technologies that we need to move forward and bring our people along with that, knowing that, you know, we do, we do a really good job, uh, especially under your direction with your teams of some training and, you know, coddling and holding hands and all that kind of thing, which is very important. So, um, we are not, we are only limited by our own minds with the, uh, with the technology. And, you know, I have a lot of thoughts and we probably don't have time on this, this podcast, but, you know, from the, from the shop floor through the corporate office and everything else, uh, have some very strong feelings about the technology. And, and even in my personal life, um, you know, I, uh, I own a, a drag racing team and, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, wow, I mean, that's that, you know, that's kind of, you know, dumbing down of things. You just bring a car up to the line, wait for light to turn green and take off. And it is so <laughs> far beyond that, that, you know, the first thing that we do with the car when it comes back from a run is we pull a chip out of it. We put it in the computer and we look at we read what we call we read the run on the on the computer screen with, with 47 different sensors that track every single thing that the car does. And wow. we have to, we cannot even start the car up until we put a tune in it and putting a tune in, it means putting all the factors on the computer that then get downloaded into the computers on the car. And I do that because number one, I enjoy the, the sport itself, but number two, because it's always on the leading edge of all of the different technologies that exist, not just computer technologies, but the newest technologies in metals, the newest technologies in, in um, you know, hardware and software that go into these vehicles. And, uh, and then I also apply that in our, in our business. So it's, it's critically important uh, to not be a dying company, to always, you know, and not everything's gonna work. Right, yeah, I think, that's, you know, one of the things you said is it's not always about, um, you know, it, it's easy for people to become sort of resistant, passively resistant over time because they're just content. And I think the thing is, you know, we forget that while something may work one day, the world changes, everything else around you changes. So if, 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 other attributes in your world are changing if you know your product the products you're creating are changing your customers are changing the suppliers are changing everything else is changing you have to be a little bit fluid as well and what worked yesterday may not work tomorrow um, that's right and, and it's and it's having that attitude of being fluid and flexible and always asking yourself what's the best thing i can do how do i help my customers customers better how do i do things more efficient I, that's really the line of thinking that um, I think has allowed you to be successful, certainly in Creative Phone to be successful. So one other thing, I guess, what looking overall with technology, we've seen it change our world. We, you know, obviously has changed our personal lives, has changed our work lives, has changed everything. But 
is there a spot in in anywhere whether it's personal or business or anything else that you think technology has a big capability to really improve or impact people that we haven't tapped into yet i i really do uh and we are at the beginnings of tapping into it uh so this this whole and, and it's it's situational it was it was thrust upon us from uh the pandemic uh but right. this uh this whole idea of working from uh remote locations at this point in time i think is going to expand our uh, uh world dramatically and and i think that some of the technologies that we see today through zoom and teams and you know the myriad of other uh, programs, I, I think is is gonna it's gonna morph and it's gonna change and it's gonna become obviously easier to use all the time, uh, but it's gonna become more important because um, the the lifestyles of people are gonna change overall. Now, now there obviously still has to be factories where people come and have to be together for you know the same amount of time every day with right. the shifts and so forth to make things happen, but yet. It's 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 really opening up the world to um, uh, be able to, uh, from a professional point of view, accomplish more with less. And uh, so, for instance, one one of the things that we we are working on that's going to be very important technologically is that in the past we would take physical a physical setup uh, to do a presentation to one of the big uh, OEMs. And we would set up in one of their areas that they would want us to, and we would have a, call it a technology fair of our product for all of the engineer groups. And, you know, hundreds of engineers at these big OEs would walk through and they would see parts and and they would see, you know, our big banners and, they, mm -hmm. and we would have a whole sales and engineering team there to talk to the different, uh, you know, engineers that would have questions about projects or working on and so forth. So now, how is that going to happen? Even even if all of the OE said, all right, everyone, you're coming back to work tomorrow. Uh, you know, all this, all this, uh, you know, uh, working from remote is ending and we all got to come back to work. Well, it, it isn't going to happen. Right, uh, right. You know, there, there's going to be a lot more flexibility with people. And so we need to come up and we're working on ways of coming up with how do we market our products to all the engineering groups and all and, and touch and feel all the people that are out there and what their needs are. And so that's going to be that's going to be quite something to be able to come up with how we're going to do that. Is that where maybe we do something that's like a, a technological podcast? I don't know if you call it a podcast, but a technological meeting where we make presentations and then we somehow get the names of all the engineers and say here please take time you know to look at this or maybe we send them uh some sort of a contact information saying hey what is your new specific and you know can we work through that so i i really think in order to keep our business moving forward and gain more business there's going to be a lot more technology involved from that standpoint yeah um, I, I agree with that i you know, and you know really well that we've been working on using the augmented reality device, the HoloLens. Oh, that's um, wonderful. I think that is one of the tools that takes us to the next level because it doesn't matter physically where you're at, 
forget about geographic location, but if I'm in a home office or if I'm at the work office or wherever, or if I'm in, you know, an island in Tahiti or something, not only can I participate, obviously, with a computer, but if I put on that HoloLens or if someone on the other side has the HoloLens on, we can go into this augmented reality experience where I can show you, you know, a three-dimensional part and it shows up represented in that space and we can interact and touch it and stretch it and change all the attributes in real time. It doesn't, I don't need, you know, a sophisticated AutoCAD program or something like that. I'm able to show you the part and we can talk about it in this three-dimensional space. I think that to me is one of the most amazing technologies that will, I think, revolutionize. And then that has a huge tri uh, trickle-down effect where, well, if I don't need to live in a big city, you know, to be close to the office in San Francisco or wherever a lot of these companies are at, that means I can go live out in a rural area, build a little outside office space with my virtual reality experience, and boom, you know, that suffices. So I think that's going to cause some trickle-down shifts that we haven't even really felt yet. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and and um, thank you so much for bringing up the HoloLens. You know, I have actually, you know, been in front of three or four customers at a time that are coming in to work on a problem that they have. And, you know, I stand there in the plant touching and pointing to a tool about, well, we could do this, we could do that, we could do whatever. And now we still have that ability, just a new age ability and have the hollow lens on. And now they can actually look and see and touch and feel, you know, somewhat, you know, what, what we're going through for those things. And then, you know, the societal changes that are coming uh, with, with a lot of the technology um, we haven't even, you know, there's, there's things that we haven't even thought about yet. So, you know, that, that's another critical aspect to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's an exciting time. I know that the pandemic itself isn't necessarily, you know, a positive thing. I think we all would love it to be gone, but at the same time, it sort of forced everyone's hand a little bit to say, okay, look, here are the obstacles how do you how do you get through this and and let's be yeah. innovative and come up with new ways and I think things that were um, slowly happening cloud adoption augmented reality things like that that everybody knew about a little bit but no one had understood really how are we going to make use of it it's just happening now whether you want right. to or not right yeah you know one of the other just you know minor things that you know whether it happens or not who knows but but one of the things that just kind of uh, we use here uh, at Creative Foam is uh, 3D printing. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that has been talked about is that at some point in time, every household may have a 3D printer or two. And so you will, you know, when you find something, even the, the TV ads for some newfangled uh, uh, cooking device, so to speak. And, uh, you know, now instead of actually buying that and waiting for the device to be shipped to you, you'll you'll download, you'll buy what you'll be buying is a single use version of printing it on your printer and actually making the, the thing that you buy. I mean, some of the things that are, are, are going to happen in the future are just amazingly outrageous and uh, and and probably very good. Yeah, it would have come in handy the other day when I was using the the ice machine on my fridge and I pushed it too hard and broke the little plastic thing. And I go, 
how do I fix this? It would have been great to just touch my 3D printer and boom, I'm good to go. <laughs> Print a new one. Exactly. exactly. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. So. Well, you know, this has been a, a really interesting conversation for me and, and I really appreciate your time. I think this is all, you know, I think the historical perspective of it and then looking towards the future, all of that tied together is, is something that I'm excited about. And, and I appreciate your perspective and giving us a chance to share that to everyone. Well, I really appreciate you allowing me the time to do it. And, uh, you know, I'm just an old guy, you know, trying not to become irrelevant. So uh, <laughs> you're definitely you know, not. And uh, and uh, it's wonderful working with you and, and your team. And I appreciate everything that you do. And again, I appreciate this opportunity. And, uh, you know, let's carry on. All right. Appreciate it, David. Thank you. All right. Take care. Right, bye. Bye bye. All right, and we have reached the end of our very first episode of this new Teach Me Tech podcast. We want to give a thanks to our sponsor, Creative Foam, who is your world-class provider of engineered solutions. You can find them online at www.creativefoam.com. We also want to give a big special thanks to our guest today, David Swallow, who is the president of Creative Foam, for spending some time today on the podcast talking about technology, his lifelong pursuit of learning about technology, and what the future has in store for us with regards to technology. We are working right now on our next episode, which we'll be looking to release hopefully very soon. Right now, so much is changing with how our world works and how much our presence in a digital world is becoming increasingly more important than our physical presence in many regards. That presents many challenges, with the primary one being, how do we be safe online and secure? So we'll be talking all about cybersecurity. And no, this is not an episode that is centered around the scary silhouette of a guy in a hoodie breaking into your computer. Um, the threats we have today are not the ones you think of uh, when you're thinking about a movie that has cybersecurity and hackers in it. Um, but they should still provide us all with a moment of caution and a need to find out how to be safe. We'll give you tips and knowledge uh, to, be, to be safe and to combat all of the threats that those bad guys out there are launching each and every day. We'll also have a special guest uh, who is a, as a security expert. Uh, for her full-time job, and she'll be able to share her unique perspective on what she sees as the biggest threats out there right now, and how security has changed in recent times, and, and the things that maybe we had never thought of before that are becoming increasingly more important than they ever were. So please subscribe to the podcast, which you can find on all major uh, podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We also welcome your comments, suggestions, or ideas for any upcoming episodes. We love to hear what our listeners have to say, so please send us your thoughts. You can reach us at teachmetech at creativefoam.com. Again, that is teachmetech at creativefoam.com. And we'll put those show notes up today that had that uh, pizza graph that I'm sure you're all waiting to see and a couple other notes about our social media, which will so, show the uh, wind turbines that I talked about previously. Um, we want to leave you with a quote every episode regarding learning and this week's quote is from Martin Fisher. And the quote is, all the world is a laboratory to the inquiring mind. So what are you waiting for? Get out there in that lab and make some experiments. Until next time, take care. Yeah.